Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the CMC game where we evaluate card value based on mana value. This is our second episode, so welcome back or welcome. thank you for joining us. I am Marketing Ross and I'm joined here by SD Sharpie. Sharpie, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Good. I uh, heard you had a, a recent Christmas celebration. How did everything go with that? Uh, it was it was great. You know, kids, they're only interested in one thing. That's uh, opening gifts. So they start the, <laughs> the whole evening off with kicking in the door and not saying hello, but can we open presents? Right. And at least buy me dinner first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what's been uh, what's been going on as far as magic? Have you been have you played any games? Have you done anything cool? Built any new decks? I haven't built any new decks, bought a new a bunch of new cards to possibly build decks with. I did get to play some pretty interesting games on Discord over the weekend with some of our um, our Discord members. Uh, shout out to LZ for kicking our teeth in with Joyra again. That was really fun. <laughs> that is what Joyra does. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they almost beat us with Urza as well, but came in last second with a super clutch Supreme Verdict for, for the win. But so some really great games with LZ, Duff, and uh, Lemony Lemons. Oh, nice. Shout out, Lemony. So speaking of the Discord, the other hot thing that's been happening there recently is talk about Marvel Snap. Have you downloaded and played Marvel Snap yet? Yes. And how addicted are you? Not at all. Oh, nice. You you made it clear then. <laughs> yeah, uh, when it comes to Marvel stuff, I don't know. It's just mainly the movies for me. I can't really get into anything else. I try, but it, it just doesn't really it doesn't really work. Yeah, well, that's fair. I I don't know. I would say I can't say same because I I am kind of a Marvel nerd, but <laughs> I I enjoy the mechanics of the game quite a bit. It's like functionally very interesting, uh, and then the the locations and everything you know keep every game keep you guessing and uh, makes it new each time. It's almost like a mini plane chase. Yeah, I think if we could get a magic version, I would probably probably play it. Uh, that that being said, because like a big part of Magic that I really like is the lore and the art of cards and stuff. So that's kind of what turns me off with Marvel Snap is the fact that it's it's all this Marvel related stuff, which I like in movies, but not the biggest fan of Marvel related games. I guess it's a it's another giant set of uh, back catalog lore that you have to go download <laughs> for you to yeah. be interested. <laughs> yeah, but well. While we're while we're talking about uh, Discord, Sharpie, how does one find themselves in the Discord? All right. So to join our Discord, all you have to do is head on over to a little thing called patreon.com slash CMD Tower. And there you can find us and pick up some sweet perks for I think as low as three dollars a month. You can get access to all of the channels on Discord. Um, there are certain ones that are free. But the the really cool ones you kind of got to pay for, like Quarantine Battleground and uh, the Trade Block um, and the the deck building one. So you do have to pay for those. And the more um, you pay in tiers, the the more stuff you get, like sweet swag. Uh, they have some really cool play mats, some reminder tokens, a really cool squee flip coin. That's really awesome. Yeah, and if your uh, heads heads I win tails you lose deck finally made it in, you can use the squee flip coin too. Yeah, but if you uh, if you want to sign in at that that entry point for uh, Patreon, you can also just get some of that swag at our Etsy shop, which I believe is 
etsy.com slash store slash CMD Tower or something like that. Or you can just be lazy like me and go to the search bar and type in CMD Tower and you'll find it. And if you want to pick up some sweet playtest cards or proxies, head on over to one of our sponsors, abyssproxyshop.com. Uh, there you can find some really sweet proxies. They actually do complete decks. I think um, our fearless leader, Mr. Combo, has made two complete decks using that website. His Game of Thrones mm-hmm. deck and his Najila deck. The Najila deck is really, really beautiful. But if you do want to pick up some sweet playtest cards from there, uh, you can get a discount by using code CMDTOWER, and that'll get you 10% off your order. Yeah, and if uh, if you ever want to cross those streams, Sharpie, you could make a, a Marvel-themed deck for yourself. Oh, no, 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 thank you. All right, well, uh, as we get into uh, the, the main meat of the show here, the CMC game, uh, just as a quick reminder of what that means, each week we'll pick a deck that's actually selected by the members of our Discord, the collective out there. Uh, we put it up to vote. They vote on the one that we're going to talk about, and then we bring it here to talk about uh, we'll each choose a card within each of the CMC slots represented by that deck to talk about um, which one is our favorite within that range. And then the person who doesn't own the deck will select five cuts and five ads of equal or less CMC value and let the owner of the deck react to those selections. So the community voted, the collective chose one of Sharpie's decks led by whom? Uh, that would be Bellacor the Dark Master. And he has a and, friend, ooh, a little companion, yeah, called Garuda Doom of the Depths. And just as a reminder, in case people don't know, what does Balake, as you call him, do? <laughs> so Balake is a six-mana demon noble for um, three hmm. colorless, a blue, a black, and a red. You get a legendary creature demon noble with flying, and then he has Powers of Chaos, which states when he enters the battlefield... You draw X cards and lose X life, where X is the number of demons you control. And then Lord of Torment, which states whenever another demon enters the battlefield under your control, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. Seems relevant. And that friend that he b- brought with him, does that is that a demon by chance? Yes, of the spicy variety. So the <laughs> companion for the deck is Garuda Doom of the Depths. It's a six-drop demon kraken. For a hybrid uh, blue-black, hybrid blue-black, for colorless, you get a creature that states when it enters the battlefield, into the graveyard, put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards onto the battlefield under your control. And to meet his companion requirements, your starting deck must contain only cards with even converted mana costs. So we have Mm -hmm. some spicy build around this time. (laughs) <laughs> so you've limited yourself by only selecting those even costs. And before we talk about what the deck does, I'll just go ahead and say this deck runs cards CMC's 0 through 8, skipping those odd numbers, of course, with the vast majority of those falling in the 2 slot. Yeah, it does not feel like <laughs> that's the case. Seems like everything is <laughs> 6 drop or higher. There are some hefty ones in there, but I'm I'm surprised given given the number of six and eight and the fours that you still got a CMC that rounded out at three point two one. Yeah, I mean so, that's pretty nice. Yeah, fairly fairly competitive and easy to ramp into, you would think. 
but as you alluded to, sometimes the the top deck does not work in our favor and we don't draw things that we can play. Yeah. But okay, so you built this deck. What is it trying to do? It's trying to win games. <laughs> Has it succeeded in that? Um so I've won two with it and then I let a friend mm-hmm. Murphus, um previous host of the the channel he played a game with it and pulled off a win with it and i think it's lost about another four times after that (laughs) well that that falls in range with the number of wins you're expected in (laughs) commander right 25 percent ish yeah yeah i think it's it tends to be one of those decks that uh, it'll it'll catch you slipping so if you're not careful Mm -hmm. it'll it'll just win out of nowhere and then kind of after that it it kind of has like a glass cannon effect. Like it's super good, but it's also super easy to stop and people get leery when they see you sit down with it. Yeah. So Bellacor probably, you know, leads you to believe that you might be playing Demon Tribal. That is decidedly not the case here. What would you say is the, what is the win con or what is the strategy that you're aiming at? So first I got to give a shout out to uh, some of our Discord members. Um, uh, Spencer and Pips don't lie. Sorry to let you guys down, but it's not really a demon travel deck. Uh, I would describe me, <laughs> I would describe this as uh, Garuda and his many faces. So basically, what Ooh. the deck is at the core is it's it is a combo deck, and it, it seeks to combo out by casting Garuda and then using a lot of clone effects to make copies of Garuda and just really filter through your deck, hitting your bigger bombs or taking your opponent's bombs. There are certain lines that also use Bellacore as a win con, but it, it, it's mainly focused around Garuda. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fair. So we know what it does. Is there a particular reason that the the demon song called to you or you chose to build this one? So I've always liked Garuda ever since they, they printed it. I guess let me back up a little bit. So as as weird of a set as Ikoria really was, it really didn't feel great for Commander as a whole. But I still really loved that set. So, like, I pretty much like every legend from that set. So, you know, all the mutates, the companions, uh, all the cycling stuff, all of that is really cool in my opinion. So, Garuda was one of those companions that, when it was printed, I really wanted to build around it. And I, I tried a couple times, but I never really found anything that I liked nothing that really felt great so it's just kind of been sitting in my trade binder collecting dust and then about a month or two ago we got the warhammer 40k decks and they they spoiled bellacore and at the time i hadn't really thought about building him with gyruda but everybody kept posting you know all their demon travel list online and um uh, i got to look in at edh reg kind of for some ideas or whatever and i think one of them had Garuda in there, and I was like, oh, snap, you know, I, f- I forgot he's a six-drop demon. So that's really where that came from. Nice. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that he's a, a demon and a kraken. Yeah. But that, that does play nicely into uh, some of the themes that you have here, but more importantly, mechanically, he does some pretty pretty fun stuff, especially when there's more than one copy of him out there. Yeah. So with that, as I mentioned, we're going to go through this deck that Sharpie built. Um, we're going to talk about only even drops, but we're going to talk about um, our favorite card from each slot. We're going to cheat a little bit in this episode, though, because since there aren't 
odd number drops, we're both going to select two from the even drops. So, Sharpie, since it's your deck, what is the zero drop that you'd like to talk about? Okay, so a little bit of a warning, I guess the zero drops are kind of lame. They're really great cards to play, but they're not that exciting to talk about. So there are only two of them. Uh, my, my pick was Chrome Mox. I really like this card, and apparently I got kind of on a high of buying them when they were around $30, so I just have like a stack of them. So they, they usually find their way into to decks that they don't necessarily belong. Uh, I know a lot of people kind of see that as like a competitive card, and I understand, but it definitely belongs in this deck, because if this deck needs one thing, it's mana. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I would agree with you on both both points there. Um, I think people see that card and they expect you are about to do some some gross things, whether that's true or not. And also, you have a some expensive cards in here, but also you're limiting yourself to only even cards, so you might not be getting the most efficient things like Soul Ring that everybody plays. That's not the most efficient, but it is very efficient. <laughs> but anyway, I think I think you're right that this deck needs needs all the help it can get in the mana department. And while we're casually talking about all the all the mana crypts and things that uh, Sharpie bought up, we neglected to say how much the entire deck costs, which is a cool $1,066.31. Fun fact, uh, it's really hard for me to build a deck that's less than $1,000. Well... And you do you do take very good care of them because um, when I played this deck, it was like... <laughs> Tri- triple sleeved, I think it was standing a foot tall and tried to fall over uh, every breath I take. <laughs> triple sleeves a little bit much, but yeah, it is double sleeved. I find it hard <laughs> to play anything that's that doesn't have at least two sleeves on it. So, I uh, I alluded to the the card, the other zero drop. It's a it's a mana crypt. I think I think people know what that does. If you haven't seen it, it's a good way to kill yourself too. Um, it's yeah. a zero drop. That uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you flip a coin. If you lose the flip, it deals three damage to you. Also, it taps for two mana. So uh, it's a handy card to have around. Paints a target on your back. And because, as Sharpie said, those are not the most interesting. While they're powerful, they're not the most interesting zero drops. I wanted to cheat a little bit and talk about technically a zero drop, which is one of the lands you have here that I just think is pretty cool. Um, from a recent set, the Neon Dynasties, it's the, the Takanuma Abandoned Mire. Um, which is a legendary land, not a swamp, but it does tap for black. More importantly, it has channel for three black. You discard this card, you mill three cards, and then return a creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to hand. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. So this whole set that they printed, I just think they're really cool. All of the utility that they just stapled right on there that you can do at instant speed and not really be interacted with. And for the most part, all of them are, are fairly powerful effects. But as I look through this deck, and we talked about how important the the companion is here, having a way to to get him back to hand if you need to is is clutch. Yeah. Not to mention, it also offers utility uh, in the situation that you cast Gyruda or clone him, and you hit an even convert a mana cost creature, uh, or two, maybe three, that you really wanted to play but you can only pick one. So it's a really great way to buy another one back. Yeah. So we mentioned there's no one drops. There's no soul rings here, but we do have some two drops. So I will start with a counter spell that is Demir in nature. Um, and that is drown in the lock. So for those of you who aren't familiar, it is a blue and a black 
for an instant um, that it offers a bit of modality, which is why I think it's pretty cool. So you can counter target spell with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard, or destroy target creature with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in that controller's graveyard. As you work your way through the deck and you're you're doing the strategy that you already had in mind, you're probably padding graveyards a little bit, not to mention all the spells and creatures dying and other things they're doing on their own. So in particular for this deck, I think it's probably more effective than a, than a lot of other decks if they're not running mill strategies or ways to increase their opponent's graveyards. So the the gap that you have there to cast this spell is is a lot greater. And I, I really do like that you can either counter or get rid of a problematic creature. Yeah, exactly. You definitely hit the, the nail on the head. Uh, this deck, this card doesn't usually perform as well for me and other decks, but in this one with Gyruda filling up everybody's graveyards, uh, all the clone effects also doing the same. And like you said, just casting spells and creatures dying. It's usually not hard to meet the requirements of both modes. In in general, what would you say? Which uh, which mode do you choose more often? I think usually it's usually the the counter. the The thing with the deck, both your commanders are quite large, um, and then you run a lot of clone effects. So for the most part, a lot of your creatures are pretty large. So you don't really need to remove a creature because they usually can't swing in, so they're not really a problem for you. There are occasions, uh, I think when I played it against Sean, I tried to use it to destroy Lavinia because she was kind of really shutting us down. But <laughs> for the most part, it's it's a counter. Yeah. What did uh, what did you go with for your two drop? My first one is a, a spicy boy, in my opinion. Uh, Dream Devourer is a two drop, of course, for a uh, black and a colorless, you get a demon cleric that says each non-land card in your hand without foretell has foretell. Its foretell cost is equal to its mana cost reduced by two. Whenever you foretell a card, Dream Devourer gets plus two, plus zero until end of turn and is zero three. So first off, it's a two drop demon. So that works with Bellacore. It's something you can get out onto the field before you cast Bellacor so that you can draw an additional card. But more importantly, it makes it easier for you to cast your 4, 6, and 8 drops. Yeah, absolutely. You get a a nice reduction on those hefty boys. Mm -hmm. And one other thing that I do want to mention here has nothing to do with the text of the card, but the art is freaking sweet. We need we need more art by uh, David Raposa. This this is like the super metal demon carrying a flaming staff, and he, he's about to devour our dreams for sure. Yeah, you can get a borderless foil for pretty cheap. Nice. Yeah, and how often? So you're you're foretelling. You're trying to make those cards cheaper. How often is Dream Devourer getting enough of the the foretell pump that he's worth swinging or doing something with? I'm not sure I'm the person to ask that question. I don't really attack with creatures. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> so he's, he's a mana rock. For blockers. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair enough. All right, so the next two drop that I wanted to talk about is Wishclaw Talisman. And so that's a one in a black for an artifact. It enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it. Uh, you can pay one and tap it to remove a wish counter from it. And search your library for a card, put that in your hand, shuffle your library, and then an opponent gains control of the talisman. Activate this ability only during your turn. I just think this is kind of a cool political card. 
I don't know ex- if that's how you're using it. I didn't see any like ways to directly sacrifice it before they get the trigger or anything like that. But yeah, maybe maybe I missed it. Uh, I just think it's kind of fun to uh, to do like give yourself a tutor and then almost make the rest of the table feel better by saying like, here you can tutor as well. So I don't really think that that would happen too often. I think the the game would have to be in a really weird state where it's kind of moved into arch enemy territory where you and the uh, the rest of the players need to deal with the the problem, problematic player. With this deck, this is the kind of thing that you don't have a problem with your opponents getting it because they can only activate it on their turn and you're about to win the game. Fair enough. Uh, I don't I don't uh, think quite as degenerately as you apparently. <laughs> I will say the the art is really sweet and looks looks really good with the theme of the deck. Well, it is that uh that darken art, so. <laughs> so as far as my second pick goes for the the two CMC We've got one of my favorite spells from Modern Horizons 2. Uh, that's Persist. So for a black and a colorless, you get a sorcery that says return target non-legendary creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with a minus one, minus one counter on it. Again, uh, with Garuda just really filling up the graveyard, it's a great way to cheat in some of your bigger threats. Uh, you do have to be careful uh, I've done it a couple times. I've seen a other couple of other people do it. It does specifically state non-legendary. Mm. I don't believe there's too many of those in the deck, but you know it is disappointing to cast your spell and then realize you have to put it back into your hand because you don't have <laughs> non-legendary creatures in your graveyard. Yeah, that that's really the only downside here. But I, I guess I can I can see why they they powered it down by making you choose a non-legendary. One of the coolest things about this, and we just keep talking about art, Persist is one of those mechanics that was introduced during like the the Lorwyn block, which mm-hmm. is one of my one of my favorites. But <laughs> the art here is a Kifkin, which was also very prevalent in the Lorwyn block. So this is kind of like a a nod back at the the Lorwyn block, and even down to the flavor text that mentions Mist Meadow. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty cool. I guess so, I gotta say I'm I'm pretty jealous of you starting in Lorwyn. Like, Lorwyn seems really cool to me, and I, I, I so bad want to, like, learn the lore and the story of that set, but I guess maybe they were still doing books back then, because I can't, I can't really find anything on it. I can find YouTube videos every once in a while, but I don't know. It mm-hmm. seems kind of bad and not very informative. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I think most of what I know about the the lore there, I just picked up through like the the little pamphlets that you got in the the pre-built decks and the various handouts that they did. So just piecemealed it together. Gotcha. Well, uh, I think that's it for our two drops. Yeah. Uh, well, we're moving on right on past the three drops. I started the two drops, so why don't you start with the four drops? All right. So my first pick in the four drops is. One of my new favorite creatures that's been recently printed. Uh, the only disappointing part is it doesn't really have a home in every deck. <laughs> but we're looking at Displacer Kitten. So for four mana, three colorless and a blue, you get a creature cat beast that says whenever you cast a non-creature spell, exile up to one target non-land permanent you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. And it's a 2-2. So in this deck, it's kind. it kind of has like a fringe case of being here. There's there are quite a few non-creature spells 
there are also quite a few creature spells. So you might run into situations where you have it out on the field and you may not get to use its ability for two to three turns. But it's primarily here to abuse, again, Garuda or Bellacor or one of the clones. So ideally, you, you know, you have two to three non-creature spells in your hand with Displacer Kitten out and, you know, you're wanting to get these Garuda effects so you cast these non-creature spells and flicker your Garuda or your your clone creature or even Bellacor to draw more cards. Seems pretty good for what you're already trying to do. You do have, uh, let's do some quick maths, which I'm not great at, 20, 38, 39. You have 39 non-creature spells in here, so you should get plenty of triggers out of it, I would think. Yeah, I when they when they first previewed this card, I read it and then I was like, this is going to get broken. Like somebody, somebody's going to do something dirty with this poor little cat. Yeah. It's a, a baby paradox engine. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, nothing bad could come of that. No, not at all. All right. So my four drop is a probably, I would say, decidedly less powerful card. And that is, if I can find it, the mandate of Abaddon. I believe that's how you say his name. I'm not in on my 40K lore, but. I thought it was it Abaddon, the, but I could be wrong. Oh, well, there are two Ds. That might make sense. Yeah. Abaddon. That's how, that, that's how I've always pronounced it. Like he's but, the, yeah. uh, the the leader of a mafia and he's not good at it. He's a bad Don. Yeah, you got <laughs> it. There you go. Thank you. All right. <laughs> that's, uh, that's mnemonics, kids. That's how you're going to remember how to say it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. It's a, it's a sorcery. For three colorless and a black, choose target creature you control. Destroy all creatures with power less than that creature's power. The reason I like this is mainly just because it's a, a reverse of that uh, that other wrath that people like to play. I can't think of the name of it, but where you choose the, the lower end of the creatures and then everything bigger gets blown up. Oh, yeah, the white one. I think yeah, it's white. The Doran Siege Tower special. Yeah. But... uh. I just think it has some cool utility and then just the the idea it fits very thematically in this deck of like Bellacor being this all powerful demon and just saying like everyone not as strong as me can just go ahead and bow down and I'm gonna smack you in the face. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my favorite part is well, what you said, but the fact that both Bellacor and Gyruda have the, the same same power. They're they're both at six, so they'll Ooh. both stick around if they're out. They really are buddies, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're best pals. <laughs> no, I think this card is cool. Um, the the art is super sick. I just, I really like all the Warhammer 40k decks. I, I think that's probably been my favorite pre-cons ever since 2016. They're, they're they very strong. A, yeah, they and they brought in a lot of cool new tech. I mean, yeah. There, yeah, there there's a lot of mechanics and just, I guess, good stuff, really that you can pull from those 40 K decks and put into your other decks. Mm-hmm. I haven't crossed the line very far yet. As far as like mixing and matching the, the themes and the lore yet. Yeah. My, my 40 K precon I got, I decided to only use 40 K cards in it and I got the, the teamer one. So I swapped out a few things, but the things that I swapped out, I pulled from the other, Precons, so you know, like got blasphemous act and uh, things like that into it that weren't in there before. And I was playing against Sir Nathan, and it was I was building up these uh, 
Tyranids and putting all the counters on them. And then a board wipe happened. And he looked over at me and he's like, you know, an Ozolith would, would really do you a lot of good in this deck. And I started to tell him like, yeah, that would be a great card, but I made this thematic choice. And he was like, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so I got a, I got a fix for you. So, so check this Let's... out. This is how you upgrade your, your Warhammer 40 K precons and keep them thematic. You head on over to our sponsor, the big surprise shop. You, you use our code CMD tower for 10% off some sweet Warhammer 40 K proxies. And you look suit at them back. Look at them go. <laughs> All right. I, I might have to, I might have to look into that actually. So moving on, um, the next four drop is probably my favorite mono red card. I am Ooh, eventually going to build a deck statement. I'm eventually going to build a deck with this. And if you ask me, I think it's better than Kiki Jiki. Ooh. So we got Jaxus the Troublemaker. For four mana, a red, three colorless, you get a legendary creature, human warrior, that says pay a red, tap, discard a card, create a token that's a copy of another target creature you control. It gains haste, and whenever this creature dies, draw a card. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next instead. Activate only as a sorcery. And then it has blitz for a colorless and a red which is you can cast it for that alternative mana cost and it will have haste and then you have to sacrifice it at the end of turn and when it dies you draw a card and she's a 2-3 this card is sweet it's sweet in this deck i thought it was really cool when i cast it and then waited a turn and copied some stuff but then i let my good friend murphus borrow the deck and he didn't even need to but he blitzed it in to make a copy of a spicy two drop in the deck, Dockside Extortionist, to then proceed <laughs> to cast a uh, what is what is the six drop? Dead Eye Navigator, <laughs> which uh, spoiler warning we'll be talking about later to just go off and just blitzing in Jaxes for no reason other than style points was like the coolest thing ever. That is some tech right there. Yeah, I, it's a good card and it's doing exactly what you want. I, I think you're probably going to find a lot of people that might argue on that kiki jiki point, but <laughs> I, style points, yes, 100%. Jaxus is is cooler. While you were talking, and this is not one of my cuts and ads, but it just made me think of from the Adventures of the Forgotten Realm, Delina, Wild Mage. Yeah, as a as another kind of cute way to to copy and maybe copy again. Garuda. Yeah, I uh, I had thought about that that. That suggestion was made to me after I built the deck, so haven't messed with that one. But yeah, I could I could see that. She does do some something work. that you don't like to do, though. What's that? Attack? You have to attack <laughs> to get the trigger. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> She's not the only one that has to attack. Naheb is in here as well. I don't think That's, That's true. another one. Your four drops. But he needs to attack. Well, I didn't want to talk about Naheb, but I did want to talk about a different four drop. I wanted to talk about a different legendary creature, Chainer Nightmare Adept. Uh, so for two colorless and Rakdos, you get a 3-2 human minion who says, discard a card. You may cast a creature spell from your graveyard this turn. Activate only once each turn. And then whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, if you didn't cast it from your hand, it gains haste until your next turn. This is just such a cool card design, I think. You get to do two different things which is fill your graveyard, which you probably care about. But then you also just kind of have this cute workaround to give something haste for no reason. Yeah, 
I, th- I think it's sweet. Um, it's like you said, give stuff haste for no reason. It'll give your commander haste. Unfortunately, it won't give Garuda haste because you will be casting it from your hand. But like you said, um, fills your graveyard while also bringing something back out of your graveyard. This is one of those cards. So I kind of have a rule when building decks. I don't want to play the same card in every deck. So I kind of try to keep from adding the same cards to decks. But I do got to say Chainer Nightmare Adept is one of those that it's it's hard not adding him. I think he's currently in two to three of my decks. And I've had a few more where it's I made a bad decision of not adding him just so that he wasn't in every deck. <laughs> it was a hard decision to make, but it had to be done. He he fills a lot of gaps. Rules lawyer question here, and I might be thinking about this wrong, but does he give you permission to cast creatures when it's not your turn? Discard a card, you may cast a creature spell from. He does, but you have to you have to have like a Vidalcan Ori, or the creature would have to have Flash or something like that. Fair enough. I, I believe that's how that works. He does say activate only once each turn. That says mm-hmm. you can cast. So yeah, if your stuff had flash for whatever reason, you could, you could do that. Well, that would be a another cute corner to paint yourself in for no reason. <laughs> All right. Well, moving into the six drops, I wanted to start by talking about a card that normally doesn't make the cut for me. I really like the idea of it, but I generally cut it out of things. But when you're limited to only the even slots, maybe I would leave it. And that is uh, Warstorm Surge. So it's an enchantment for five and a red. And it says, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. So it kind of serves as like a, a backup Bellacor as far as like his, his secondary ability with the, the demons. But then he grants it to the, this grants it to the non-demons as well. And then more importantly, it's an enchantment, so it's hard to remove. But the reason I, I like it in this deck is because you're going to probably keep making Garuda or other big nasty creatures ETB over and over, as opposed to in a lot of decks where you just get that, that single use out of it. Right. 100% hit the nail on the head. It is definitely a finisher in this deck, kind of like Bellacor's ability. Um, there are ways to kill people with his ability. There are also ways to do this with Warm Storm Surge. It's kind of easier because, like you said, it, it does it for the non-creature or non-demon creatures as well. So, yeah, it, it being six is a little high, but it, it makes it worth it when you can play this and it's like, all right, I'm about to do something and everyone's going to die from the result. <laughs> That's a good use of six mana. Yeah. So I, I think that kind of segues pretty well into my first six drop, which, you know, alluded to earlier, uh, Dead Eye Navigator. So for six mana, four colorless and two blue, you get a creature spirit that has soul bond. Soul bond says you may pair this creature with another unpaired creature when either enters the battlefield. They remain paired for as long as you control both of them. And then he states as long as you control dead eye or as long as dead eye navigator is paired with another creature, each of those creatures has pay a colorless and a blue exile this creature, then return to the battlefield under your control. So like with Warstorm Surge, if you have this paired with a big drop, you know, like a 6-6 a six, six or a 5-5 five, five or something like that, like your commander or your companion, and you're, you're, you're paying this two mana repeatedly, you're going you're gonna to start knocking people down pretty quick. 
Yeah, I mean, nothing nefarious has ever been done with the uh, Deadeye Navigator. And yep. no one no one expected anything nefarious out of you for playing this card. <laughs> the the first game I ever played, I tried to uh, do the Bellacore combo with Rite of Replication, which is a four drop in the deck. And it has kicker, I think you have to pay five or something like that. So for a total mm-hmm. of nine mana, you you multi kick Bellacore and I think I think it does a total of 150 damage altogether. Wow. So I tried that and I got stopped pretty quickly. But then I think <laughs> it was like two or three turns later, I ripped into a, a Dockside Extortionist with Garuda and then was able to uh, cast Dead Eye Navigator, Soul Bond it with the, the Dockside and make infinite token or treasure tokens. And then when I entered again, I was able to pair um, that on navigator with Garuda and just use those, those infinite treasures just to, to mill everybody out for the victory. That is wild, but I actually really like that use case. <laughs> I don't love the idea of uh, abusing Dockside quite that much, but the, the end result is definitely worth it there. That's a, that's a pretty hilarious way to win. Yeah. You definitely get more style points for playing Dockside in this deck than I would say in other decks. I mean, it's a lot like the zero drops. You just you kind of need the mana to yeah. to run the engine here. Yeah, I, I tell people if they borrow the deck when they're like, "What should I be looking for?" I'm like, "Lands and mana rocks. That's, that's all you want in your your openers because Garuda and Bellacore will help you fill out your hand later." Yeah. Well, speaking of filling your hand, my next six drop. That was a terrible segue, but my <laughs> next six drop. <laughs> is a demon of dark schemes. So that's a three colorless and three black pips from what is that? Kaladesh. Yeah. It is a five, five demon with flying. And when it ETBs, all other creatures get negative two, negative two until end of turn. And then when another creature dies, you get an energy counter. Um, but more importantly, you can pay two and a black and four energy to put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control tapped so i think this is this is really sweet like demon of dark schemes by itself is kind of like a a cool little little board wipe for those those token producers out there Mm -hmm. unless of course you're doing like dead eye navigator stuff with it (laughs) but then you get you get twofold use out of his second ability with that energy of uh you can rip creatures from your own graveyard back to the battlefield but more importantly all of those creatures that you've been milling with Garuda you can you can bring those back as well yeah so I, I gotta I gotta correct you his name is actually demon of dank memes I need my glasses yes so <laughs> like you said you can get up to some some shenanigans with that on navigator but something I want to try it hasn't come to fruition yet but uh multi-kicking the um the rod of replication. I, w- I just want to see what happens when you get like five of these guys out there. A lot would happen. Basil. Yeah, and then you just like cast Bellicor. Oh man, it's like Chef's kiss good. That would be that would be pretty sweet. Much less efficient. This used to be in my Grismold deck just to gain those energies as I kill my my house housewarming gift of plants, <laughs> and then eventually I could take something out of somebody's graveyard. It was a very long-term plan and it ended up being too clunky. So he got the, got the boot. I would actually consider demon of dank memes to be clunky in anything. That's not a monocolored or two colored deck. If, if this was any other deck, 
was three colors, I probably would not be playing this this card. But the it's mainly there just because you can rip it with Garuda. Yeah. See, when you can when you can cheat costs, all of those uh those mana pip issues go flying out the window. <laughs> yeah. I uh for a very short time I had a a four color deck that was Demon Tribal. Oh. And it was le- led by Vile Smasher and Thrasios, oh, who were okay. intended to be uh, Hellboy and Abe Sapien, if you oh, recall like from the movie. That's pretty cool, yeah. But it ran very much into what you're talking about right now. There was just like this flood of black pips, and I'm like, I gotta build up to this four mana base and do it efficiently, but then also lean super heavy into the black pips, and it was, it was cute, but very inefficient. Yeah, yeah. Well... Moving on to the last six drop of the deck. I'd, so, I don't know if this card is good. I feel like it could be. Um, its ability speaks to what the deck wants to do. But I'm going to be 100% honest. It is here because it is a six drop. It is in Grix's color. And it has some dope-ass art. So, we're talking about Cedrus the Trader King. Specifically, the borderless foil version from... Uh, Double Masters 2. So for 6 mana, 3 colorless, a blue, a black, and a red, you get a legendary creature zombie warrior that states each creature card in your graveyard has unearthed 2 and a black. And that means that you can return this card to the battlefield. This creature gains haste, exile at the beginning of the next instead, or if it would leave the battlefield, unearth only as a sorcery. And he is a 5 So it has a use here. I mean, going back to the Garuda thing, you're milling your deck out. Um, you can unearth your, your big fatties, get more value out of them. I could see him possibly being a cut along uh, along the road. I've not actually gotten him out in a game yet. Mm-hmm. I, just, I, I mean, just really in a pinch, like you could also... That, the art is amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, I was going to say, like, in a pinch, you could pay the, the three unearth cost and get, like, a... I don't know, Baleful Strix if you need to draw a card, or a Solemn if you needed to ramp some more. So, like, he has some some gap filling there, but he was on the chopping block for me when I started looking at cuts. But then as I started looking a little bit deeper uh, into your deck and in relation to another card that I want to add to your deck, I think there's a few ways that we might be able to get around the the Unearth downside. But then okay. also you have a few a few creatures in here that have a strong enough ETB that it would be worth paying the unearth cost for them and then not having access to them again. So I like him in the deck, and I think kind of like you, I'm super biased because of that art. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I do really like him for the fact that he can get Gyruda back for you. That is like kind of the downside of Companion. If they kill the creature, it goes to the graveyard doesn't go back to the companion zone if they exile it you're just kind of sol you're not getting it back but if they kill it you could you could unearth garuda and hopefully you know rip into some clones and just keep going yeah i that was you brought up something that i was actually going to ask you about as far as like as much as you rely on the companion here and the fact that if it gets exiled you're sol have you thought about entertaining like sack outlets or things that you can just you know take garuda out on your own terms uh not really i guess my, my main thing is, is 
as a magic player now, I'm less more, I'm less into the, I got to win at all costs and more. I just want to do really cool stuff. Like I do want to win the game. I just want to do really cool stuff. So a lot of times in in my, my deck building now, I'll, I will do really broken and cool stuff, but I'm not going to be putting ways to save myself. So if you have ways to interact, like if you have removal or you have these counter spells or you have a way to stop me, it's going to happen. Like if you've got that in hand at the time, it's going to happen. And I'm completely okay with that. I I don't want to be that player that sits down and all I care about is winning. And every week people come to play magic and sit down across from me and they just lose game after game after game. So helpful to put something in there to, to get Garuda back or, you know, sack them in case to try to to exile them. But I really like how the the deck sits as kind of like a gas glass cannon. See, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I only want to win games and I only build optimized decks and I'm talking out of the side of my mouth. <laughs> no, uh, I, I hear you. I, you know, I think an easy one off the top of my head that wouldn't like change much of your deck, but it's like a, a utility case. If it comes up is just like high market. It's another land drop. Doesn't come in tapped taps for colorless, which kind of sucks for your color fixing, but you can sack creatures with it. So if you needed to, you could, Take your root, root out. Yeah. But all that aside, we're going to move into the last slot of the deck in which it is a lonely throne. Uh, there is only one eight drop. And uh, who better to sit on that lonely throne than uh, Villas, the broker of blood? And what does this madman do? So for eight mana, three black pips and five colorless you get a legendary creature demon with flying you can pay a black and pay two life target creature gets minus one minus one until end of turn and whenever you lose life you draw that many cards and he's an eight eight seems pretty good on its own i mean it's a a flying eight eight that has somewhat removal tied to it but the kind of the cute interaction that i like is uh when bellacore comes in and you draw x cards and lose x lives uh, X life based on the number of demons. Villas sees that and he says, "Draw some more because you lost life." <laughs> Very correct. Which is why I run this in my Shanid deck, the the one that carries about legendaries. And then when you play a legendary spell, you lose a life and draw a card. Villas does the same thing in that deck. That's gas. I wish I could run uh, reanimate because I just love the fact that you can pay a black, lose eight life, draw eight cards, and you get a Villas. It seems seems real good. So, since I don't have a card to talk about here, I did want to just mention one that you should think about, but it's not in my cuts and ads. And so that's another 8-drop. Okay. And it is, it is a big nasty guy from Shards of Alara, and that huh? is Prince of Thralls. So, four colorless, blue, black, black, red, for a 7-7 seven, seven demon. And this guy is like kind of the OG Turgrid. Uh, when a permanent and opponent controls is put into a graveyard, put that card onto the battlefield under your control unless that opponent pays three life. So when it's when it says put into a graveyard, is the Oracle text put into the graveyard from the battlefield or from anywhere? Hmm. Um. Put into graveyard. Ooh, that might be even more spicy. I was thinking it was from the it like it had to be from the battlefield, like a die effect. But 
it does say a permanent and opponent control is put into a graveyard. Yeah. Uh, I like that a hey, lot. Hey, hey, he needs a home there. Yeah, he does. That worked great with let me, Garuda. Let me let me just go go edit my uh <laughs> my my notes real quick. Yeah. I totally recommended this. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that would <laughs> you know, not to give anything away. I mean, of course I've seen your ear cuts and ads. But, um we'll talk about them in a minute. And we kind of talked a little bit uh pre-show. Uh one of them I didn't really care for cuz I said it's really hard to make work. But I think this one would fit much better in that slot. Hell yeah. Def- definitely, definitely going to be an ad. And if you want to talk about style points, playing a mythic from Shards of Alara, that that's style points. <laughs> yeah, it is. How much All is right. Well, we, we. Oh, yeah. It's he's he's $50 for $14? $50 oh, my lord. <laughs> that's unnecessary. Yep. I did just get some Christmas money. Hey, Prince of Thralls. Yep. All right. All right well, we on. will uh, talk about. Yeah, we'll we, talk about my less exciting cuts for you and my yeah. less exciting ads. So we kind of cut. We we covered this a little bit in the first episode. We call this the the CMC lightning round, where we go through rather quickly and we name off the cuts and the ads, and then we we discuss them. So with that being said, Ross. Yes. I'd be interested in seeing how quickly you can say this. Okay, and let me just start with an apology, because one of them I didn't follow our own rules. Because we're supposed to cut for a lesser than or equal CMC. Mm-hmm. I just remember that as I'm looking at one that increases a CMC by four. But oh, yeah. it's all forgiven, yeah, <laughs> all, all forgiven because I introduced you to the Prince of Thralls. So we'll, we'll see how fast I can say this. We're going to cut Venom Crawler for Maskwood Nexus, Crippling Fear for Orcus Prince of Undeath, Hidetsuku Devouring Chaos for Thassa Deep Dwelling, Blood Crusher of Corn for Phantom Steed, and Persist for Ever After. That was pretty good. Thank I you. Was, I almost I tripped kinda, on Hide- Hidetsuku. I was kind of expecting the um, the auctioneer voice, though. Like, you know. Oh, that fast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm from rural Missouri. We're, we move pretty slow. Yeah, I hear you. I'd be super tongue-tied. So our first cut is from the four CMC slot. It's Venom Crawler for three colors and a black. You get an artifact creature demon. Just realized it was an artifact. That mm-hmm. has lifelink, and whenever another creature dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and it's a 2-2. Two, two. So why do you want to cut this? So the reason I picked this one, and you can correct me because you've been playing this deck, but it, it seemed like it's just a demon in the four slot that might become relevant later. Yeah, I think that's and pretty so, accurate. Which, not to say it's not a, a good demon, but what if all of your creatures were demons? Yeah, I I kind of I was with you thinking Venom Crawler was, might be slightly bad, and he's just kind of a four-drop demon. Uh, it came with that, the Warhammer Precon, so this, that was a, the major reason it was put into the deck. But playing with it a little bit, the, the whole... Getting a plus plus one plus one whenever a creature dies is a bit more relevant than I actually thought it would be. I mean, even in the game that we played with Mr. Combo, which <laughs> was an incredibly slow game, I think it still got it to be a, a five five. So it was it was a fairly good blocker. It didn't stop your dragons, but you know it doesn't have flying. Well, he's on the ground, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I do like the uh, the way that it offsets the the life that you lose for Bellacor coming in and drawing cards. But if all of your creatures 
we're not getting life back, but we're in Grixis. We don't want life back. We want value. <laughs> if all of your creatures are demons, like that that demon Baleful Strix and that demon Chainer Nightmare, yeah, then Belcor sees them all. You get to draw for them all. And then once he's out there, you start pounding for damage for every creature. Even that dockside loop. <laughs> yeah, I like this suggestion. I like it a lot. Weird, because I've been kind of tinkering with Masked Nexus for a different deck. I didn't actually realize it was a four drop. For whatever reason, I thought it was a three drop. I would like to add Masked Nexus to the deck for sure. I just don't know that I would cut Venom Crawler for it. Fair enough. All right, let's talk about the next one, which I already know you don't like. <laughs> so I'll let you talk about the card we're going to cut because you've seen it. You can see how okay. it's, tell me if it's worked well, if it hasn't. Uh, I can't tell you if it's worked well or not. I've never, it's, it's not come up yet. So <laughs> we got Crippling Fear. It's four drop, two, two colorless, two black sorcery. Choose a creature type. Creatures that aren't of the chosen type get minus three, minus three until I turn. This really should just be like, I don't know, maybe a Damnation. Mm. I guess in a sense, like Damnation would be worse because it would kill my creatures as well. But it, it, it was one of those things that's like, I didn't have a spare Damnation sitting around. I had this. Uh, it's border foil, so I think it's it's pretty. And uh, it has demons in the art. So I was like, yeah, sure. It, it does have a demon in the artwork. So it's more work for the card that I'm suggesting. But you could get the same effect while also getting a demon. <laughs> so if you're, if you're unfamiliar, Orcus Prince of Death is a technically four drop, but it has an X in the mana value. Or two colorless and Rakdos plus an X uh, for a 5-3 Flampler demon that I don't know that anybody plays. But the important thing is when he enters the battlefield... Each other creature gets negative X, negative X until end of turn. You lose X life. So, hypothetically, you could pay three extra into this to get the effect that you're already wanting in your, what's it called, Crippling Fear. And then tack on four and you get a 5-3 Flampler. Yeah. So, when you, when you think about it as a kicker cost, it's, it's not that bad. And then it, it's also scalable. So... As you're uh, known to do with your your dockside such things, uh, you might have mana laying around to to pump into that X. But the reason I like Orcus is because you can do that, but then you can also have the added flexibility of his his other ability, uh, which is you could choose instead to return up to X target creature cards with total manu, mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. They gain haste until end of turn. So all of those things that you milled with Garuda, if you dumped six into this, you would hit everything except Villas. Six plus well, the four, excuse me, so ten. I think you only get two. Um, well, you get six, but chances are that would hit most of them. Well, I think you only get one, right? Oh, total mana. Yeah, that's yeah. why he's bad. Yeah. But you could get Garuda back. Yeah. So the second ability, I think, is like garbage in this deck while also possibly being good this would definitely be one of the cards that i would add to see how it performs and then possibly make a decision later on whether i wanted to keep it that being said i would do that and then i would proceed to never draw it for like two years straight <laughs> because i feel like you need so much mana for the second ability to work 
but at the same time, that's kind of how this deck works. Um, everything is even converted mana cost, so there are games that you sit there for six turns and not really doing anything other than casting mana rocks. You might even win those games, but it, it takes six to eight turns to do that. So I feel like in those scenarios, you might could actually get some value out of Orcus, but at the same time, every time I've played him in reanimator strategies, it just it just requires so much mana. And then sometimes it just doesn't feel worth it just to get one creature off the ability. I, right, well, I do let like me say his, this to you. I like his first ability. I know you like shiny things. You can <laughs> get his his copy that has that coveted D and D ampersand on it foil for twenty seven dollars. It's, it's just think of the value. So I would actually prefer to get the foil borderless for two dollars. I mean, it, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's I the just, one I would go for. Yeah, I like the the borderless effect. Or extended art, I guess I should say. All right, so on on to the next one. The the next Tell one. Tell me what you think. I don't think I would cut just because of again I like the art. I think it looks sweet. Your your suggested cut is Hidetsugu Devouring Chaos. So for four mana, three colorless and a black, you have a legendary creature ogre demon. With pay a black, sacrifice a creature, scry two, and then he has a second ability is pay two colorless and a red, tap, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. When you exile an online card this way, hit it, Sugu, Devour, and Chaos deals damage equal to the exile's converted mana cost to any target, and he's a 4 4. I, uh, I don't know why you want to cut this, honestly. Um, we kind of talked about having sack outlets for Garuda earlier, and I didn't even think about hit it, Sugu, but he's there. I really like his second ability, though, because, I mean, you just dome somebody for, like, eight. That's a fair point. I didn't even think about the, the sack ability and being there for Garuda, but I do like that. To be completely honest, I just thought that the card I was recommending had a slight more value over over time than Hidetsugu might. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that that is the correct cut for it. <laughs> so what would you like to add? So... Instead of that demon, I wanted to add Thassa, Deep Dwelling, which is a legendary enchantment creature god for three colorless and blue. It's a 6-5. Uh, as long as your devotion to blue is less than five, won't happen. Thassa isn't a creature. So this is probably just going to be an enchantment most of the games you play. But the important thing is, at the beginning of your end step, exile up to one other target creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under your control. Uh, less importantly, she also has three colorless and blue, tap another target creature. So aside from just the turn over turn value that I think you can get off of Garuda or Bellacor or a few of the other ETBs that you have in here, the other thing that I wanted to mention, beginning of your end step, if I'm thinking about this right, yeah. So this is one of the things that I wanted to introduce to help you with your Cedrus problem. So Unearth reads that you return it to the battlefield and then exile it at the beginning of the next end step, or if it would leave, oh no, or if it would leave the battlefield. No, no, hold on. So you're correct. Yes. Uh, okay. I, I, I looked this up when I was, when I, when I built Cedrus, the deck was cool. Cedrus didn't have, there was just no point in running Cedrus as a commander. But <laughs> if you, if you unearth something and you use a flicker effect for whatever reason, I don't understand the ruling, but it is the ruling. The flicker effect supersedes the unearth uh, effect. 
So okay. with with was, Thoughtsa, you you could flicker it and stay. That was my thought, but then as I reread his rules text, <laughs> the part that says "or if it would leave the battlefield," I was like, he kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. So yeah. so yes, we're getting around that unearth downside for you. First thoughts, I was like, I don't really like this for the same reason I don't like conjuring claws. It they hold no value by themselves. And some creatures you don't necessarily want to flicker, I guess. So you could be in a situation where it's, you know, you have a creature out there and there's really no point in flickering it. That being, it is up to one. Yeah, that that being said, you kind of turned it around when you brought up the, the Cedrus thing. So I'm, I'm back on track for that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got there. Looking at the uh. deck um, so far, Cutting Crippling Fear... I would be okay with Venom Crawler. I think I want to keep Hit It Sugo. I definitely want to keep. There are a few other cards in the in the list we didn't talk about though that I definitely think could be cut. Something like Neheb. I mean, it was put there to just kind of like refill my hand and add more mana. But after playing mm-hmm. the deck, I don't think I necessarily need that. So that's a four drop that could be cut for Masquid Nexus or Thoughts of Deep Dwelling. Pirate's Pillage, kind of the same thing. It's it's a draw spell that can kind of ramp you. It's not bad. I've not really had terrible experience with it, but it's also kind of one of those things where it's like, if I had any other spell to cast on turn four, I would, but this is all I got. So I think those are two two cuts right off the bat that uh, I would be okay with making for Mast wood, wood Nexus and Thossa Deep Dwelling. Nice. I almost had Neheb on my uh, cuts list, but I just had this inkling that you were doing something more cute with it. Unfortunately not. I don't think I am. Well, how do you feel about the the next card that I thought you should cut? <laughs> so I, I guess I, I made the point for you when we, when we first started the episode <laughs> on why I should cut this card. So Blood Crusher of Corn is a four drop for three colorless and a red. It's Creature Demon Knight. It has Trample, and he says other creatures you control have Trample, and he's a 3-3. So my thought was, was hey, you know, Bellacore could use Trample. He's a 6-6, but then when we started the episode, I kind of stated I don't like attacking on my creatures. So I guess he doesn't really have a purpose here. (laughs) I I wondered about that. But the next card is one that you mentioned precast that uh, you weren't super familiar with. So I'm going to turn this one over to you and let you talk about how you think you might use it. Okay, so your suggestion is Phantom Steed, which, like you stated before the before this episode, didn't even know it existed. It's a four drop, three colorless, and a blue creature horse illusion. It has flash, so you could cast it with Chainer on somebody hey. else's turn. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, exile another target creature you control until Phantom Steed leaves the battlefield. Uh, when it attacks, create a tap and attacking token that's a copy of the exiled creature, except in this illusion in addition to its other types. Sacrifice that token at the end of combat. So, as I stated when I started reading the card, you could cast this on other people's turns with Chainer, which I think is extremely spicy to protect Gyruda. But I think that's kind of why you wanted it in the list. Not necessarily to protect Gyruda, but just to get a Garuda trigger on every turn, every combat step. Mm-hmm. Yep, so I think it uh, so serves a multi-purpose there. You can protect Garuda with it, um, since it does have flash. But the, the thing I really like about it is it's not like a permanent exile effect. It's just until the Phantom Steed leaves. So if you 
you know, you happen to swing in and they pull some some nonsense and kill your steed, you get that attack trigger of uh, Garuda coming out, but then you also get your OG Garuda back. Yeah, it would feel really great to rip into this with Garuda as well. Some some disappointing things, like for example, you cast Garuda, uh, everybody mills cards. You know, they either your opponents don't mill any creatures or they're not even CMC, and you know you you mill into a Blood Crusher of Corn. It's like, yeah, I can get that. My creatures have Trample now, but what you really want to hit are the these clone effects, these clever impersonators and and Dax duplicants. Stuff that's going to get you more fuel for your Garuda. So, if you were to rip into Phantom Steed and that, you know, being your only only option, or, I don't know, I would consider it probably one of the better options, you still have that way to give gas to Garuda. It, it won't be instant. I mean, you're not going to get another Garuda ETB, but on your next turn when you can attack, you'll get one, and then on the turn after that, so you can guarantee one each turn. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you might have a stable for this horse. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. All right, so the next one's going to be a tougher sell. <laughs> and it, and it's the one that I cheated on on the CMC. Yeah, so on the last one, you suggested cutting Persist, which I find odd because, you know, you pointed out the fact that it's basically from Lower Wind Blog. I'm not going to read it again. Uh, we read it earlier. Brings a creature back that's not legendary. It gets minus one, minus one counter. What 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 is your ad? All right. So yes, I do love the idea of persist. I I don't like the non legendary clause just because of how g- important Garuda is to this deck. Now, if if I was a wise Magic builder, I would probably tell you to put in Animate Dead because it's a two drop. But because I like to do things that are silly, I am going to suggest Ever After, which is a six drop, four colorless and two black, originally from Shadows Over Innistrad. Uh, it's a sorcery. Return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Each of those is a black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. And then put Ever After on the bottom of its owner's library. So you get two instead of one. Doesn't care if they're legendary or what creature type they are. And it's repeatable, kind of, uh, because it goes back on the bottom of your library. Yeah, I like it. I don't like it in the place of Persist. But I do like it enough to try and find a different cut in the deck. Uh, currently looking looking at one. I think it kind of does the same thing. Haunted Voyage is a six-drop sorcery. Choose a creature mm-hmm. type. Return up to two creature cards of that type from your graveyard to the battlefield. If the spell was foretold, return all creature cards of that type from your graveyard to the battlefield instead. And that has You can foretell it for seven. Kind of the same thing. Uh, it kind of feels like they... they diverge in different directions uh haunting voyage can kind of let you get all your demons back whereas ever after it only it will only ever get you two creatures back but you could possibly get more uses out of it because it's going to put itself on the the bottom of the deck Uh, Mm -hmm. i definitely think there's there's probably wiggle room for it to be put in the deck the more i look at crippling fear the more the more i dislike it though so that that could be another (laughs) There are also, you know, as we stated earlier, there are 32 drops in this deck. So surely one of those mm-hmm. could come out, right? You got some wiggle room? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it. Nice. And then if you want to get really cute, there is a, uh, I'm going to blank on his name, 
but there's a, a demon that's a oh, rune something. Rune scar demon? Not rune scar. No, because that's a a five or a seven drop. Seven. There's a new one. Uh, the six drop that gets two different things. Yes. Burning rune demon. Yeah. yeah. Six drop, six, six, six. Uh, when it ETBs, you go find two cards not named burning rune demon. Uh, one in your an opponent chooses one of them, put the one in your hand and the other in your graveyard. Okay, well, since it leaves it up to the opponent, that's not quite as good. I was going to say you could use Ever After to go grab Burning Rune out of your graveyard and then put Ever After back in your hand, but it wouldn't work because they probably wouldn't choose that. True, but what you could do is just get two clones. Hey, that's true. I don't know, that sounds like another good ad. It's a six drop. Yeah. Put it in a. We're just getting all the bonus cuts and ads for you here. Uh, put it in in space of the uh, what is it? Diabolic tutor, the four drop tutor, straight tutor. Oh, uh, but I have the fancy foil. Oh. So those like, like shiny things. The the most disappointing foil ever. I got that in a trade, and it was at the time it was like thirty two dollars. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's kind of a crap card, but. It's a super old foil and it's worth some money. And then <laughs> literally a month later, it the the price was chopped in half. And I think it's like worth fifteen dollars now. So I'm like, oh great. Boo. That's a that was a me with thrumming stone and then the double masters reprint of it. Hey, at least you weren't. I, I went one of the the Winona people that went and picked up all those foil borderless Winonas for a lot of money and then. It was banned in Pioneer the next day. <laughs> no. There, there's two reasons I wouldn't do that. One being that uh, Winota leave, leads herself into some degenerate play styles. No. And the, the more important one is I don't play Pioneer. <laughs> but, all right. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, you made it to the end. We walked through Bellacore. Uh, we talked about all those even drops. We did the CMC lightning round. Before we sign off, Sharpie, any quick thoughts on uh, how it went, the cuts and ads here, and if Garuda's here to stay as a companion? Um, Garuda is definitely here to stay as a com- companion. Uh, he's more of the commander, in my opinion, than Bellacore. I really enjoyed a lot of the ads that you recommended, even the bonus ones. Uh, I think <laughs> that the, the deck could be retooled a little bit, add some of the, the stuff we talked about tonight especially that phantom seed that that's definitely going in there i think that hard sweet but yeah I, I think this was yes. a really fun episode really enjoyed talking about it awesome well if you would like to find more content like this uh you can always hit up sharpie and i in the discord uh again you can get into that by going and becoming a patreon um, but you can also find us on twitter the main channel is at cmd tower and then we're also on twitch where you can find big tuck slinging cardboard rectangles uh sharpie where can we find you uh if you want to reach out to me personally like you said uh we're always in the discord i think i live there more than at my actual house on twitter (laughs) at sd underscore sharpie so if you want to reach out to me there you can do that as well yeah and uh like sharpie said uh i am on twitter at visordrix vibes but i think more entertainingly at least for me because i get to interact with you guys uh on the Discord, I get to get that good feedback, get told when I'm making silly recommendations, and just get to interact with our, our amazing collective. 
But uh, for all of you out there listening, thank you for joining in again. And we'll see you next week. See you.